at work with Chris and Ed. We are going to be talking about the right to organize workers' rights as always. But first, we're going to have a moment of silence for a very good friend of not only this show uh, and not only of this station, but of our entire community. And I'm talking about Elizabeth Davis, Liz Davis, as we all knew her. She was on this show many, many times. She's uh, just died on Sunday night, and um, I think it's fair to say that we're all still in shock from that. Uh, Let's have a moment to silent for Liz. And uh, Ed, before we go to our first guest, I know you and Liz were very close. You uh, fought together in the trenches uh, in the city, uh, you know, with with the administration uh, you've got nurses in city schools. Liz, of course, said uh, teachers. Um, we're going to do a whole show uh, next week. Joni Eisenberg and, and I will co-host that. Ed will be on that. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sure you have a, a thought or two. Yeah, I mean, there's so many thoughts. But, uh, you know, the expression, uh, speak truth to power. Well, Liz actually did that. And uh, I really had a wonderful ally and a wonderful friend and not being afraid to take on some of the big uh, players in this city. And, and she, she'd be missed incredibly in the labor movement, but I also just miss talking with her late at night and solving all the world's problems and making each other laugh. And then finally, you know, ending a conversation, going off to bed. Uh, I really um, will miss Liz. Liz Davis, Washington Teachers Union, Local 6, uh, still very much with us. Now, today uh, is a very special day. Uh, There's a big push on for something called the PRO Act. Of course, we have talked about it uh, on this show. Uh, But to to tell us what's going on today, kind of put things in perspective. Uh, And and uh, as Tim Schlittner, he's the communication director for the AFL-CIO. Welcome, Tim. Hey, Chris, how you doing? Uh, well, better now that you're here. I got a little quote that I just came across on uh, Twitter a little while ago. I kind of wanted to set you up here. This, uh, this quote is, uh, is from a News Guild member at a recent steward training at a brand new shop. And this person said, I now have a better understanding of why management fought the union. We have so much power and so many rights. I can demand a union representative in a meeting and they are equal to management and we can ask management to prove their statements by requesting information going back several years. It's no wonder corporations hate us. It's about power and control. And that to me kind of seems to speak to uh, what we're after with the PRO Act, right? It really does. It all comes down to the balance of power in, in the workplace and that affects the balance of power in our communities and in our country. And that, that has gotten out of balance over the decades, especially since Taft-Hartley was passed in 1947. And then obviously in the early 80s, 
there was just an outright assault on workers' right to form a union, starting with President Reagan. And it's continued to be chipped away for the last several decades. The PRO Act would restore that balance. It would get us back to the original intent of the National Labor Relations Act, which was part of FDR's New Deal, which is every worker that wants to form a union should have the right to do so. And when workers have that right, they choose to form unions. Strong unions mean strong communities, higher wages, better benefits, protection on the job. And it's just a virtuous cycle that, that ripples throughout the country. So we feel like this is the moment for the PRO Act. And working people on the ground are telling us, just like that, that new union member you just quoted, are telling us it's really special to be a part of a union and everyone should have that right. Now, we're going to bring Ed, Ed in uh, on this in just a second. But as you were mentioning, you know, worker rights have really been, I don't want to say eroded because eroded sounds sort of like a sort of a natural thing. The, these really have been shipped or, or more like hacked away uh, by bosses really over the last 50, 60, 70 years, right? No, that's absolutely right. It's been an onslaught. It's been an onslaught by corporations. There's a whole billion dollar business in union busting of lawyers and consultants and folks that are just determined to make sure that workers don't have a collective voice, don't have any power, don't have those rights at the bargaining table to demand certain wages and working conditions and information and the deployment of technology and scheduling, flexibility, any number of things. So it's just been whacked away by, by, by corporate America and by this union busting industry. And then it's also been uh, whacked away by anti-worker politicians who have changed the laws in states, who have done nothing to improve the law federally. And so that's how we have a situation where 60 million workers say they would vote to join a union if they had the chance, but we only have 10% union density in the country. Union density and union desire are not matching up, and the PRO Act would help us make those match again. Yeah, in fact, there's a new poll uh, out uh, just uh, yesterday, I think. 77% of Americans support the Amazon Union Drive, which is pretty, pretty spectacular. Did you uh, talk a little bit about that poll? I was, I was amazed by that. We're seeing tremendous public support numbers for working people, for working people trying to form unions, and for unions generally. Gallup has approval of unions at 65%. That's one of the highest marks in 50 years. 77%, as you said, of, of voters uh, support Amazon workers who are right now trying to form a union at, at the warehouse in Bessemer, Alabama. We see uh, mid to high 60s support for the PRO Act. And that's before we've really been able to get out there and tell the country what the PRO Act is. Today's Digital Day of Action is one of the first salvos in doing that. But we're starting with a very strong base of, of support for workers and this is an important note. That base is bipartisan. We're seeing support among Democrats, independents, and Republicans. This can be a truly bipartisan issue if we break through all the clutter and just talk about what unions do and why they're important. I want to be clear. It's bipartisan among voters. It is not bipartisan in Congress. I don't think we got a single Republican vote in the House. And last I checked uh, from one of your great graphics, we were 0 for 50 with the GOP in, in the Senate. So 
Uh, if you've tried to organize and have uh, been been whacked by some of these anti-union things, or if you've got a union, or if you've got questions about your rights on a job, give us a call. We've got Tim Schlittner. He's here from the AFL-CIO. Ed Smith, I know you've bumped up against this from time to time. Uh, <laughs> hey, before we go to Ed, I just wanted to correct one thing. We got five Republican votes in the House on the PRO Act. My bad. Who, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who did we get in the House? Uh, we, one of them was Brian Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania. And at a press conference supporting the PRO Act, he said the PRO Act is not and should not be political or controversial. So we also got a couple of Congress people from uh, New York and New Jersey. And so we, have, we, we got five Republicans and it came out of the House more, with more Democratic votes than we got in 2020. And with five Republican votes. So we're not we're not taking the Republicans off the table here. We think that this is popular among their constituents and we're going to we're going to work to win every single vote we can. Yeah. And I want to be clear. I mean, sort of my point was that the, the leaders you know, kind of need to look at those polls and, and kind of follow the, the leaders need to follow their their, their members their voters. <laughs> yes. Agreed. Sorry, Ed. Oh, no, no worries. First of all, 77%. Man, wouldn't it be something if the uh, vote reflected the uh, uh, feelings across the country in support of Amazon? That'd be a wonderful thing. Um, you know, Chris, that was a great quote. Um, and you can tell that it was from someone's heart and, and, and mind. Um, one of the big things that people forget about having a labor organization is you have a right to request and receive information, the legal right for that. And in a non-union environment, you can ask for whatever you want. There's a stigma attached to that, of course, but you don't, you don't always get it. And um, getting information from management uh, is extremely useful, especially in disciplinary cases, um, but also in terms of seeing what the uh, uh, wages and the benefits of the employees look like when you're in contract negotiations. Very hugely important. Um, Tim, thanks for coming on the show. I've got a couple of questions. Uh, one uh, give the audience three major highlights of of the law of the legislation, and two, as I understood it, as, at least as late as last week, John Warner out of Virginia uh, is still not signed on. And uh, uh, who do we need to get on the Democratic side? I think there was like four or five that were still not supportive of this. Yeah, let, let me start with the targets. So there are five Democratic senators who, who have not yet yet signed on. It's, it's Mark Warner of Virginia, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, Angus King of Maine, the independent who caucuses with the Democrats, and then Kristen Sinema and Mark Kelly of Arizona. We're also, uh, as part of our initial targets, um, trying to, to make uh, inroads with Senator Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, where there's a, a strong uh, pro-labor tradition out there. Don Young in the House was one of the five Republicans that voted with us. So we do think there's some, some possibilities there. And we're going we're gonna to make sure that these senators are hearing from their constituents. That's part of what today's Digital Day of Action is about, about why this, this bill is so important. I'll give you three highlights, and there are many. This is a tremendous piece of legislation. It is it is as transformative of a labor law bill as we've seen going all, all the way back to the 35 Act. So for employers like Amazon who are engaging in these tactics to try to intimidate and crush the spirit of people trying to form a union, 
the mandatory meetings where you have to you have to sit there and listen to union bashing, the propaganda that's posted online and all over the worksite. Even in, in the case of Amazon, installing a, a USPS mailbox at the site so they could watch workers, which workers were voting in the election. These type of tactics would not only be illegal, but there would be heavy penalties, heavy penalties on this to the, to the point of where it's no longer the cost of doing business, but there's actually a disincentive to engage in this type of behavior. Amazon, obviously one of the richest corporations in the world. So the penalties that were envisioned, there's really no, no uh, financial penalties now. So that's one big part of the bill. Penalties that are actually a disincentive for employers to engage in union busting. Two is once a, a union is formed. So if a majority of workers vote to form a union, another employer tactic is to just not bargain the first contract, not go to the table, delay, or go to the table with unreasonable demands, not go in, in good faith and in good spirit. This, this, the PRO Act would set up a process. So once a union is formed, you would have to come to the table as the employer in good faith to negotiate the contract. If you, if you do not, then they could go to a mediator and a mediator could try to uh, get the first contract moving. And then if that fails, we could go to an arbitrator and have binding arbitration of a first contract. So the days of forming a union, which is the path to collective bargaining and not getting that first collective bargaining agreement are over. And the third highlight I'd want to bring up is that the, this law would basically phase out the 27 right to work laws that are in this country that were passed uh, after the 1947 Taft-Hartley Act and are really uh, a relic of, of the Jim Crow era that were originally designed to keep white and black workers apart to try to convince white workers that they shouldn't be in the same uh, work uh, unions as black workers and have in, in these states you've seen wages driven down, you've seen a lot of workplace deaths increase and you, you've seen that on every on every measure of, of what makes a good life in these right-to-work states they're lagging behind. So what the PRO Act would do is say, no, this is there's a federal law uh, when it comes to forming a labor union in the private sector, and, and we're doing away with these 27 racist right-to-work laws. So those that's, are some highlights, but there's many more. That's some great stuff. And, you know, one uh, particular company here in D.C. that uh, operates George Washington University Hospital, the company's name is Universal Health Services, uh, they have... Um, there is a collective bargaining uh, a union that uh, represents non-professional healthcare workers at the hospital, and uh, they have not been able to secure a first contract. They have filed unfair labor practice charges, and of course, that's going through the, the system, the judicial system. And as you know, sometimes that is not the best way of getting your gains. And of course, the company continues to, to work. Uh, the efforts of the union to, to have a contract. Not only that, they also tried to um, uh, get rid of the union by saying, by claiming that they no longer have a majority status. So that is a perfect example of, of, of where this law will help. Uh, would now, would the law be, uh, what's the effective date? And would it be effective immediately upon passage? Or are there certain things that would be phased in? That's a good question. I, 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 have to, I have to get back to you on that. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's a fun passage, but that's, uh, you know, God, that's, if, if that's the issue, we, we can figure it out. That, yeah, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so, I mean, sorry uh, to stump you. I didn't mean to. Oh, that's all right. 
Yeah. Let me uh, let me reintroduce our guest. We're talking to Tim Schlittner. He's been on the show before. He's the communication director for the AFL CIO. Today is the Proact Digital Day of Action. I know I've gotten a ton of emails. Uh, you can call us at 202-588-0893 if you've got questions for Tim or you want to know more about this act and see if you can stump uh, me and Ed as well. Uh, you know, Tim, uh, a source of mine uh, uh, texted me the other day and was telling me that uh, at a place called uh, Big Lots, Big mm -hmm. Lots, uh, in the training, when you're a new employee, part of the training is about how bad unions are. <laughs> and, and I don't even know that there is an ongoing organizing campaign at, at Big Lots uh, at, at the moment. Uh, but I thought it was very interesting uh, uh, you know, that this is kind of an example of the kind of thing that you're talking about where they're sort of proactively trying to, uh, I'd say, poison the well, right? That's right. And I've seen videos that target employees are, are shown when they start on the job. Now union busting has become part of new employee orientation. And that shows you just how far we've gotten from the original intent of the act. The NLRA and Joe Biden is going around the country saying this over and over again. The expressed intent of the National Labor Relations Act was to encourage collective bargaining, not just tolerate, not just accept, <laughs> encourage collective bargaining. And, and we've gotten so far away from the act because employers should have no standing and no say in whether workers form a union. It has nothing to do with employers. It's a decision among workers whether or not they want to come together collectively and form a union, as is their right under the law. And we've just gotten so far away with that where workers are in, uh, where employers are inserting themselves into this decision in heavy handed ways. And what's going on at Big Lots is just another example of that. It's it's really it's it's repulsive. And I think it goes against every everything we stand for as a country. So the PRO Act would get us back to that original intent that you should have a right to form a union in this country if you want it. And it's your decision as a worker and not your employers. It's interesting. And I want to go to the phones next, but uh, Tim, this, this, uh, this makes me think about the full frontal attack on voting rights across the country. And it's, it's, it's not too far down that slippery slope. You know, people have been attacking, frankly, the voting rights of, of, of workers for years and it, it makes complete sense that, you know, when the wrong people start voting in elections, that they want to change the, uh, the rules there as well. I'll get your reaction to that. But first, uh, let's let's go to the phones. Hi, you're on your rights at work on WPFW. What's your name and what's your question? My name is Alan. Welcome. My, my question is why all of a sudden the AFL-CIO gets behind this important strike? But where have the trade unions been for the past four years with Trump in power? There have been movements calling for the impeachment of Trump. There have been mass demonstrations, not as big as they could, because the AFL-CIO and the unions did not get involved with them. You know, frankly speaking, the most important thing we can do today is to minimize the fascist threat from Trump and company. Because they're not, they're not, just because they're out of office does not mean they're out of power. And, frankly speaking, the thrust should be, yes, it's important to, to organize this union, but, frankly speaking, if we don't do something now to deal with voter suppression, to 
deal with this tax threat, you the unions will not be able to to um, do anything. And frankly speaking, that song "Solidarity Forever" is a bunch of hooey because right now the union doesn't make us strong. It just puts us in the tenuous position of bargaining for a few crumbs off the boss's table um, from a position of weakness. And the AFL-CIO needs to step up if the union is going to make us strong. Where are they? All right. Great. Uh, great question. Uh, I think we've got a pretty good idea about where, where that caller is coming from, Tim. That's I'm sure this is something uh, that we're hearing across the country from folks that are, I think, rightfully frustrated, uh, you know, from these attacks. Um, what, what's your take? Well, just you mentioned the voter suppression right right before the caller. Sure. And I, I think that the tie there is is very clear. Right. It's about workplace democracy and it's about political democracy. And just like the first quote you read from the from the newly newly uh, formed union member, it's a it's a it's a struggle about power. And this is about eroding the power of workers. In the case of voter suppression, it's about eroding the power of communities of color and, and, and many of the many of the groups and many of the constituencies who are coming together to try to create a more just America, to try to create a, an America that was that lives up to its promise that of opportunity and prosperity and equality. And so we see the fight for unions in the workplace as fundamental and as not, not a side issue, as fundamental to that fight for democracy, for equality and for opportunity. Uh, as far as the caller is concerned, uh, the AFL-CIO and the labor movement worked very hard in 2020 to uh, to elect Joe Biden, to defeat Donald Trump. And not only that, uh, we were on the front lines of the of, of the efforts and played an absolutely integral role in making sure that that vote was protected, that the results were not chipped away by the Trump effort to overturn the election. And I would I would put our activism in the 2020 election up against any other organization or movement in the country. It, well, Chris, I want to jump in here too. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so uh, I don't know how uh, the caller feels about Medicare for all, but our union um, supported that for years and supported Bernie Sanders run for president in 2016 and uh, 2020 up until uh, the Biden, um, Biden uh, was clearing the uh, possibility of getting nominated. And we've been out, on the road in buses. We were out in the road in buses in 2016. And again, in uh, 2020, we did a lot of work. Um, so yeah, is labor perfect? Hell no. Um, is any labor union perfect? No. And that's why we continue to work to strengthen the union. This act clearly would strengthen it. By the way, I wanted to point out the federal law on collective bargaining actually states that labor organizations and collective bargaining in the civil service are in the public interest, that it contributes to the effective conduct of public business and facilitates and encourages amicable, amicable settlements of disputes between employers and employees. That's actually in the law. And then we've had administrations going back since this law was passed that somehow ignore the purpose of that law and the findings of that law, including Democrat presidents. Um, and you can see the assault that uh, Trump put on federal workers um, just ignoring that finding. And that is, it. you know, you rarely talk about it in labor organizations that, you you know, you're not going to file a grievance or 
charge that they violated this purpose clause. But that's the first thing in that statute. And I think that's significant. And we need to remind ourselves of that constantly so that we do that when we pass this law. Two other uh, quick things I wanted to, I, I think uh, Tim was going to go there as well, but the other thing that the, that not only the AFL-CIO, but the, the labor movement uh, had a really big hand in the winds in Alabama uh, in, in, in a, you know, turning a red state in some ways, in some ways blue, certainly electing uh, two Democratic senators and taking control of the Senate. And I know that there were labor folks across the country uh, who were calling in uh, you know, you know, member to member calling into Alabama and, and make and help make that happen. So that's number one. Number two. And, and like Ed said, and I'm sure Tim would agree. I mean, look, you know, the, the AFL is not perfect. The AFL has 55 unions in it. They all have their strengths and, and weaknesses. But my pushback when, when folks complain is, you know, I, you find me a more democratic uh, institution than, than a union, whether it's your local union or your national union, or indeed the AFL-CIO. Uh, if, if you're not happy with what your union's doing, you know, are you an active member, right? I mean, you know, um, it, it really, you know, this is, this is our movement. It's, you know, t- t- Tim Schlittner's not sitting up there with Rich Trumpka, you know, <laughs> deciding, deciding what the labor movement's going to do. I don't know, maybe you guys are, Tim, you tell me. <laughs> no, not, not at all. <laughs> I mean, you're right. You, uh, both you and Ed are right. This is a this is a democratic movement. Uh, it's a movement from the ground up. Our voice and our conscience are union members who who organize and 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 who pay dues and who who have a stake in in the future of this movement. And I I think the union movement acquitted itself very well during the Trump years. I don't think that criticism is fair. You know, one other thing, Chris, is I just thought about this. Last night, I had a conversation with uh, one of my local union presidents, and we're getting ready to start bargaining. And a long-term employee who has complained a lot, um, probably 30 years she's been on the job, never really been involved in the union. She finally agreed, after some prodding and pushing by the local um, chairperson, to sit on our bargaining team. There was there was someone that was interested that (laughs) someone that was interested that had one year and the chairperson said, you know, Jane Doe, you've been here 30 years and you come to a union meeting, you complain about this, but you've never really done anything to 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 help your workers. And yet you want somebody with one year experience to to be the the voice. I think that you should. (laughs) And she did. She agreed. And there you go. Step up. Absolutely. Never too late. Go ahead, Tim. It's never too late to take an active role in your union. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's absolutely. That's a great, that's a, that's like a lot of hope in that story. And Tim, Tim, before, before we let you go, I, I wanted you to just sort of take a step back. And, and one of the things I think that tends to happen, you know, whether it's the Amazon organizing drive or the pro act and, and, you know, uh, God willing and the crick don't rise, we're going to win both of those. But in the end, sometimes it's not so much about the ultimate result, but about the fight that we're having uh, that that's really critical, right? That's right. And I think sometimes you win by taking the field. Mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. you win by taking expectations and surpassing them. Sometimes you win by one day longer, one day stronger and never giving up. And I think all of the battles going on in this country from that warehouse in Bessemer 
to the right to form a union in Alaska and all over this country, this is a long-term fight. It's a, it's a fight to restore the original intent of the National Labor Relations Act. It's the fight for an economy, politics, society, where if you go to work, you, you can have a voice in your job, a say, a simple say with your coworkers, so you can make a difference in your life. And that, that promise is not yet here for America. It's not going to come with one election or one bill, but all of these things are important battles in, in, in what I think is this long-term war to restore what's, what's dignified about work. And I think we are in better position today than we have been in decades. Yeah, that was sort of the last thing I want to ask you. I mean, you know, I've, I've like you, been in a you know, movement for a minute. And people always talked about this this opportunity. God, I think it was thirty years ago, right? It wasn't it the the uh, it was it wasn't even it was before the free choice because free choice never really had a had a shot. I think it was before that. Uh, our last real chance, I think, was 30, 35 years ago. Jimmy Carter, right? It was under Jimmy Carter. Was under the, Jimmy Carter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and you know, every time we'd bring something up, it was always sort of DOA. And this is so close, we can kind of taste it, right? This the two major, <laughs> two, two major differences this time. One, the country's in a different place. Yes. There's a growing recognition of collective bargaining and collective action. And two. With all due respect to Jimmy Carter, Barack Obama, and Bill Clinton, we've never had a president more serious about doing this than Joe Biden. I tell you, I've been talking to a lot of our, our fellow labor broadcasters across the country, a lot, a lot of whom, you know, will, will, will be the first to admit that they were not big Joe Biden supporters uh, from the beginning. And they're all saying they're, 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 they're drinking the Kool-Aid on it. They're, they're really beginning to believe this guy. I mean, when he came out with that, with that, basically pro Amazon video. I don't care what people say. I mean, that was, uh, you know, short of him saying, you know, join the union. It was, it was pretty straightforward, right? It was a moment where you got chills and, and wondered what, what is possible now? Yeah. you get a yeah, and, I would, and I would say that, yes, Joe Biden has had a great track record of that, but also the point you made, uh, Tim, is that the country's in a different position. Yeah. If the yeah. country wasn't in a different position, I'll guarantee you, as much as I do respect Joe Biden, he wouldn't have had that statement, period. I agree. It's a combination of, of, of the groundswell and, and, and the, right, the right leader for the time. Well, Tim Schlittner, always just such a pleasure to talk to you. You always make me feel better about, about <laughs> where we're going. And, and, and I, feel, I feel good. I'm, I'm happy with this, uh, with this digital day of action. A lot of Thank stuff you. going on. Uh, you'll be keeping us posted, aflcio.org, lots of stuff happening on Twitter and Facebook. And we always ask our guests, you know, to pick a laborific song. You picked a great one. I had, this, this musician is one of my favorite. I had completely forgotten how much of a labor song. Can you, can you set us up so we can uh, go out with this? Well, in this song, this is uh, the, the way it is by Bruce Hornsby. And what he talks about is basically major social change in this country. And, and in the, in the chorus of the song, it says some things will never change, but then his line after that is, don't you believe them? And so that, you know, as, as, as part of the labor movement, we can never believe the cynics and the skeptics that we can't make big change in this country. So this, this is a special song to me. Tim Schlittner, special for us too. Always wonderful to have you on. Keep on fighting, brother. You too. Thanks. And thanks, Ed. Great to see you guys.
Bars be in the range. That's just the way it is. But uh, as Tim Schlittner just told us, uh, reminded us, it's not the way it has to be. 202-588-0893. You're listening to Your Rights at Work. Chris and Ed here to take your calls about your rights on the jobs, the one that you have, the ones that you don't have, the ones that you wish you had. Uh, I got a bunch of uh, labor news headlines uh, that uh, we need to catch up on. And uh, Hey, Chris, that song was uh, released 35 years ago. And, you know, that's the way it is, but it doesn't have to be that way, I, 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 I suppose. Definitely does not have to be that way. It only has to be that way if we let it be that way. That's I think that's the main message there. there and I think that's that's what Tim was trying to get at is that, yeah. uh, you know, with they, when they tell us, and that's sort of the point of the song is, you know, they say that's the way it is. That the idea there is that's the way it is. What are you going to do? Can't do anything. That's the whole point of being in a union to say, you know, that may be the way it is, but it ain't the way it has to be. We can exactly. change things. So, yep. Again, 202-588-0893. Uh, hey, if you want to weigh in with your own thoughts on, on what Bruce Hornsby was really saying there, we'd love to hear it. Give us a call. Uh, I want to pick up on, uh, I think, an aspect of this Amazon uh, organizing drive that has just not gotten enough attention. Uh, this may just be me, but did you catch this whole kerfuffle over the peeing in a bottle situation, Ed Smith? <laughs> I did. I don't know why you're laughing. It's not funny. <laughs> no, it isn't. It's and 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 what a bunch of you know what that the leadership at Amazon and and what a PR mess. Um, you know, just admit that there's wrong and that shouldn't happen and that that you're going to work on correcting problems like that. Admit to that and move on. That makes you look better. That makes you look responsive. I don't. But think, they didn't do that. I don't think that. So here, here, just to, to recap for folks that might have missed it. Uh, they were getting a lot of negative coverage because, you know, every, everybody knows Amazon puts, you know, Amazon puts the speed up and speed up. I mean, they have this thing down to uh, a, just a, a science. You know, you're supposed to you know, touch, touch something every whatever seconds. You got to move, 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 move. And, you know, God forbid you should uh, stop to answer nature's call. You're going to get docked. You're going to get written up. You're going to get in trouble. Um, and, uh, so they were getting a lot of negative coverage. So, you know, instead of doing like Ed says and saying, yep, okay, we need to deal with that, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. Uh, the company, uh, tweeted, uh, quote, you don't really believe the peeing in bottles thing. Do you, if that were true, nobody would work for us. Um, and the, the problem for Amazon was that there was, it was, it was like easy to prove, I guess there are photos uh, of this situation uh, going on, and uh, they, it was immediately, you know, they were outed as this is actually happening. Uh, people were emailing, texting, calling, uh, saying, "Yeah, this is absolutely happening." And and, and it's the social media, man. Uh, you know, it, it stinks in many respects, but there you go. They called, they called them out on it. Well, and rightfully so. And and it's the kind of thing that it seems like a small thing. It almost seems like a joke, bad joke, frankly. But, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing that, you know, this is real. You know, there are right. people who have conditions there. It's And it's also, it's just, it's, it's bloody inhumane is what right. it is. Okay. I mean, you know, you. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's a horrible way. And it's not only the specifics of that, but this is not you know, how you treat, 
you know, grown up people. Right. And if, and if that's happening, what else is happening? Right. You know, exactly. that, that's not being said. And, you know, it's not like every, you know, it, even good companies have problems. Like we were just talking about labor unions. We all have problems, but, you know, recognize where there's a problem and say, you know, if this is the case, we've got to change whatever uh, algorithm we're doing here. And, you know, maybe it'll cut our profit by 40 cents, <laughs> you know, but we've got to, we've got to, you know, do a little bit more, but you can see why people want to organize there because now sure they've gotten can. so frustrated and, you know, they talk about what great wages. Well, this isn't always about wages. It's about whether you're, whether you have to pee, to, to keep your job or not and other things that are you know just the serious it's just a travesty with this it's company. dignity so. it's respect it's all of those things and and i actually this story is kind of it kind of serves two purposes it you know just deal with that whole ongoing uh, situation they are counting the votes uh i may get a chance ed smith to actually watch some of the counting virtually later this afternoon i'm waiting for an email from the nlrb uh so i may be able to actually kind of wow. look in and have yeah. a report for you on that but it also there's a new feature we wanted to start, uh, frankly, because I just started, you know, collecting these stories of bad bosses. Uh, in fact, a few years ago, the, uh, the AFL uh, used to do a thing on bad bosses, uh, bad bosses awards every year. And, and I think we should resurrect that. I've always wanted to do that, too, or give or give grievances, give reprimands to uh, bad bosses like they give reprimands to us. And even though you can't really enforce the reprimand i've always thought that would be a good thing to do once a year to give uh you know the worst ceo of our bargaining units a reprimand or something like that well here's what we can do uh we can certainly out uh, those bad bosses here on this show so if you've got a story about a bad boss we'd love to hear it 202-588-0893 now here's here's one that kind of got me started down this track and this is from a couple of weeks ago in the washington post um, this was a Georgia guy, uh, Andreas Flatten or Flayton, uh, Fayetteville, Georgia, uh, heard his doorbell ring on March 12th. And uh, this young guy he's never seen before says, uh, hey, your money's at the end of the driveway, bud. And uh, when the guy goes down to the driveway, uh, you're never going to guess what he found. Well, I've read it. So oh, I then you already know. 500 pounds of greasy pennies piled up at the end of his driveway, a pay stub and an envelope with an expletive scrolled on it above a squiggly underline. So this that, was, uh, that was his wages due. Yeah, this was his wages. He was due. I'm trying to see what the total amount it said was. 91,000 pennies. Yeah, nine, yeah, it was $915, $915. And this is, what happened was that the boss, for whatever reason, didn't want to pay him. And, you know, this was months later, months later. Uh, and poor Andreas is trying to get, you know, his, his money. And this was a guy who wasn't able to keep working because of the whole situation with COVID. Uh, gave his two weeks notice, turned in his uniform, you know, laundered in a box, you know, the whole. So he's doing his due diligence, as you lawyers like to say. No paycheck doesn't show up. Weeks turn into months, um, and so he contacted the worker, contacted the Georgia Labor Department and the U.S. Labor Department. Um, and uh, as soon as the uh, word lawyer came into the conversation <laughs> with his former boss, that's when the penny showed up. And and here's the thing: is that the the guy 
had to, you know, the guy dumped these pennies into oil, right? I mean, it's not like he just went and got a bunch of pennies and like, here's your money in pennies. Yes. He actually yes. went out of his way to, you know, add insult to injury. If, if the, that's know, not just a bad boss. That's a psychotic boss. Right. I'd be, right? I'd be very careful on, on uh, you know, being in traffic with him or being in a grocery store. That's the kind of guy that would go off on somebody. Well, interesting you should say that because I don't know if you noticed at the end of the story, it, it turns out this guy, it, you know, there's something wrong with him because uh, this guy, his, his name is Walker. Um, I didn't see his first name, but his name is Walker. He had ripped up final paychecks in front of employees before. And another former employee alleged that he pulled down her pants in a lobby as a quote unquote joke, which uh, uh, I mean, that's that's a. Uh, that's probably actionable, right? Uh, putting oh, your lawyer, yeah. your lawyer hat on there. Definitely, definitely actionable. I mean, that's sexual harassment right there, you know, 101. But uh, yeah, I, this, this Mr. Walker, I wish we did have his name and where he lived. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, he needs to get help. He needs, he needs psychological help, period. Here's uh, another one. This was uh, this was on the ask. I, I, you know, you know when 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 work stuff starts showing up in the ask Amy column, right? Ask Amy from the ask Washington Amy. Post, right? Amy Dickinson. Amy Dickinson. It was usually dealing with like etiquette questions and so forth. Uh, so this is. Uh, I, I read this. I couldn't believe it. So this is uh, somebody who writes, and I'm about to, I'm about to take a job at a respected professional services firm. My boss makes everyone stay at his house in a city out of state for regional group meetings a few times a year. We have to stay in his house, in his daughter's room, in the spare rooms, etc. I think this is wrong, and it is not something I want to do. However, now I feel like I have to do this because everyone else has been doing it for years. I could get a hotel, but it will make me seem like I'm not part of the team. I worry about privacy, about feeling awkward. And about my tendency not to be myself when I stay at other people's houses. What should I do? <laughs> I mean, so Ed Smith, you know, somebody—if one of your members came to you, 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 you folks can't see Ed. He's rubbing his face. He's, you know, I, I can't make this stuff up, dude. No, no, that's the weird one to make up. You know, it reminds me years ago um, when I was in an, another union. Our boss uh, threw a party at his house in Bourne, Massachusetts, which is right in the beginning of Cape Cod. He didn't make anybody stay. He actually threw a beautiful party. And, and I think people really loved going to it. But I wonder if some people were like nervous about, you know, hanging out with, at the boss's house. But this is, takes it even a step further. You got to sleep over. That's nuts. You know, obviously, there's a pr prime example of uh, collective action that needs to be taken. She needs to talk to other people and say, are you as uncomfortable with this as I am? And uh, but, whoa, get her. Res she needs to get her resume dusted off. Well, but here's the thing, right? I mean, I, I, I have to sadly say that I agree with you because I'm thinking, you know, that's not a team that I want to be on. But, you know, and I think to Tim's point, uh, you know, on talking about the Protecting the Right to Organize Act, right? I mean, your choice in a situation like this should not have to be, you know, either sleep at the boss's house or quit, right? Right. There, right. there, is, there is a third option uh, if you've got a union, uh, you know, I think that's something where you can say, yeah, uh, no, I mean, you could, uh, you could, I guess you could file a grievance, right? I mean, what, sure. so, so if you had a union in that situation, what, what would your options be? Well, the first thing I would do is contact the union shop steward and say, are you aware of this? And the shop steward would go, well, yeah, 
uh, and then say, <laughs> say, well, you know, I've got a problem with it. Um, well, but even before that, I might talk to some co-employees that I trust and find out. And then the union can sit down with management, might not even need to file a grievance and say, we're a little uncomfortable with this. This is not the right thing to be doing. It's not the right uh, message you should be sending your employees. And they could they could take collective action, probably without even filing any kind of grievance. Um, but to me, it's more about getting some other people involved to make clear that this is really not appropriate. Yeah, it was interesting. They, uh, uh, Amy Dickinson uh, reached out to uh, John Challenger from Challenger Grain Christmas, which is an HR consulting mm-hmm. firm, which is actually, you know, consulting firm. They actually a lot of times have some good information. Uh, his his response was interesting. He said, "This might this might have been thought appropriate in another era, but it is not appropriate now. The boundaries are not right." <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm guessing. Hey, maybe the employer thinks they're doing a great thing. I'm sharing my house with my employees. I love my employees. So that that employer actually might not have malintent. Um, and sometimes just communicating, but you got to do it. You, you got to do it in a collective voice. You can't just be one person laying out on that limb by yourself. Um, but yeah, who knows what's in the employer's mind? The employer might think it's a great thing. Right, right. I think that's really critical there. 202-588-0893. We're probably are just coming up to the end here. If you call, we'll try and get you in. Here's another one um, that came up. This is uh, over in France caught my eye. Another uh, bad boss story? No. Uh, well, yeah, actually, no, it is actually come to think of it. I hadn't thought of it that way. This is uh, Ikea. Everybody loves Ikea, right? Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> um, Sorry, Ikea. You know, glad you're not a sponsor. <laughs> so in France, uh, they, they were spying on their workers, it turns out, uh, which is sort of interesting in France, which has very strong labor unions. Um, but they were they were uh, sending, you know, executives were sending each other's, you know, emails like, uh, quote, a model worker has become a radical employee representative overnight. We need to find out why. Uh, although, you know, it was in French, so it probably sounded nicer. <laughs> Wow. So they're, they're talking amongst each other. Well, you know, that's no different here. You know, I'm sure that if I had uh, uh, the access to texts that uh, managers that we have in our collective bargaining units, I'm sure they're saying stupid things, just like sometimes our employees do. Uh, People forget emails and texts. That's a document. And when you put those documents, when you say those things, uh, you know, politicians are now starting to pay the price for sexting and different things like that. Same thing can happen. So if you're trying to retaliate against somebody, you better just do it in whispered closets. You better not do it in texts and emails because that will clearly be uh, used as evidence to uh, if anything happens to that employee. Interesting. Yeah, no, they were they were just basically spying, snooping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, checking up on workers who were out on medical leave. Yeah. Uh, they were even going after uh, customers, going after their own customers, you know, who were trying to get refunds for botched orders. They hired a former military operative, uh, was hired to execute some of the more clandestine operations. I mean, holy moly. Execute. <laughs> it's weird. Just weird, right? No, it is, right. That's really odd. It's like, it's almost like, 
saving the bottom line of the dollar is just the only thing people care about, right? Right, right. Well, the interesting thing about this case uh, is that, uh, and it, it reminded me again, looking to you know other things, right? So, in the the defense in the Derek Chauvin case is is trying to say he's basically mm-hmm. uh, trying to say well they're trying to say a bunch of things, but one of the things is you know basically that this is a one off, right? That this is right. first of all he's following procedure, which is not true. Uh, but secondly, that it's you know that 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 it's not there are not systemic problems. That's a lot of people say there are not systemic problems. Right. I think obviously, we all know that not to be true. But what's interesting about this this particular case uh, is that IKEA you know promptly fired several executives in his French unit, including his chief executive, and they're like, all right, problem solved. Uh, nothing to see right. here, you know, just uh, move right along. Um, right. But I think, you know, oftentimes, you know, if you've got something like that going on, uh, it's very hard to, uh, uh, to to believe that, some, you know, that kind of extensive spying uh, was not known by corporate headquarters, for example. Yeah. Um, you know, the response, good, good. You, you take whatever uh, disciplinary action um, for your um, people that... Uh, did this um and hopefully they didn't get golden parachutes on their way out the door uh, but then there has to be a follow-up about what what is the culture what what changes in policies do we're going to have written policies on what we should and shouldn't do and 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 follow them and i think that's the that's the next step that they need to do and and like you said with the with the uh george uh george floyd incident um chauvin uh is not a one-off we all know that um but uh, even the prosecution is trying to show by bringing up the heads of the uh, police that um, he didn't he, he wasn't acting within police guidelines and all this. So it's almost like there even the prosecution is trying to say, well, he's just a bad apple. Well, we know that's not true. But once this trial is over and hopefully uh, he's convicted and the other uh, officers are convicted, we continue the push to to um, help police departments see the light, if you will, and, and, and take care to, to do what they say, which is, uh, protect and serve, not, 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 not beat up people and hide, which is the real motto. Absolutely. All right. That's just about going to do it for this week's edition of your rights at work. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to Michael and to Kalia for engineering us today. Uh, Tristan, Ed, uh, always happy to be with you. Keep an eye out for our podcast. You can search for your rights at work wherever you do listen to podcasts. We will be back next week with a special expanded edition and we'll be really uh, paying tribute to elizabeth davis from the washington teachers union look forward to that details next week thanks so much for listening see you all next week